Real or faux? Which way do you go? I'm Kelly Wilkness here with Anita Joyce, and this is Decorating Tips and Tricks, episode 385, The Christmas Tree Controversy. Hmm, sounds very festive, doesn't it? <laughs> That's a way to get Starting off with a spirit. Family fight right in the beginning. Exactly. Uh, oh, boy. I wonder if there is inner family fighting over this or whether, you know, the whole family goes one way and the whole family goes the other way. I don't know, but it does seem to be something people, I don't know that the faux people are just so outspoken about it, but the people that think you should have the real Christmas tree, they're they're pretty, you know, they're very vocal about it. it they seems are like. very staunch. And I, I have to be, I have to say over the years, I have been fairly staunch, real yes. tree person. Mm-hmm. Yes. I'm I have surprised. softened a bit, but I still, we, we, one year we went without any real tree and my people were not happy. And I have to oh. say, I wasn't happy either. Well, I'm not going to lie. I've done both. Mm. So. Yeah. Well, it's good you to know. try it all and see what really works for but, you. But, you so. know, yeah, yeah. So I, I'm open to both. I, I don't think there's uh, a right and a wrong here. So, you know. No. And what's interesting as we get further in, we'll see that, you know, it's really not that clear cut, which is mm-hmm. better in terms of a lot of things. So, um, yeah. And I hear that you were doing something Christmassy this morning. Well, I was. I was at uh, the Museum of Fine Art here in Houston putting... Christmas trees together. These were the faux kind uh, for the member Christmas party. So, uh, oh, how beautiful! De- decor there for the the museum. So, yes. Yeah, so I've actually been up to my elbows in uh, these branches this morning. <laughs> so, <laughs> and it's very cold here in Houston today. So it felt very much, uh, you know, it was very much in the Christmas spirit. So. Oh, how nice. Uh, how appropriate yeah. that we're doing this today. I had an interesting uh, afternoon yesterday. I was invited to be part of this grant, uh, which is um, sending people out to do different types of um, lectures and tutorials with senior citizens throughout the city of Los Angeles. And so yesterday, I did a holiday craft with a group of seniors at, in Koreatown, and I had a mm-hmm. Korean interpreter, and I had the best time and what a wonderful group and uh you know we definitely spoke the language of crafting together and well it was just talk about putting yourself in a in a lovely holiday mood and you know just meeting these really wonderful warm people and even though we really couldn't understand each other 100 percent without the aid of the interpreter it was just a wonderful love craft fest by the end of it so that sounds like so much fun it was. It was so much fun. So I'll be back again uh, to that group in December and a few other groups around LA. So I'm really excited about being asked to be part of that. So to Kelly Craft Show. The, the Kelly road. Craft Show is on the road. Um, <laughs> so the tree really mm-hmm. is the centerpiece of a lot of people's holiday. It's a focal point. It's, um, you know, excuse the pun, but wrapped in a lot of tradition. And yeah, as we were talking today, there is a bit of controversy about what kind of tree Mm -hmm. you get and what is best. And so we're going to sort of demystify, possibly debunk, and um, give you some information you may not have had on the choice between a faux and real Christmas tree. Mm -hmm. So how about if we start with the faux first? Mm Mm-hmm. 
And I don't know if you came across this in your research, but I found that they originated in the 1930s. Did you hear that? Or see that? I, I didn't see as far back as the 30s, but I believe that, you know, that they were sort of, they became very popular in the 70s, which makes perfect sense to me. Right. But I didn't know they started in the 30s. But maybe, is that when the tinsel tree began? Well, I don't know if it was tinsel, but what I found online was that it was a company called the Addis Brush Company. Oh. And wait for it, they made <gasps> toilet scrubbers and brushes. And then we have the brush, bottle brush Christmas tree. Did they invent that? <laughs> Because I, I love them if they did that. I know, I do, I do too. But the the you know the whole I can barely even say the word toilet. So <laughs> <laughs> this, this may be ruining it for me. I don't know. We probably shouldn't have started with the fake ones. <laughs> I know, I know. It was it was bad, bad. But anyway, uh, so um, you know we've talked about this. I mean, obviously, why go fake? Well, I think one reason you want to go faux is if you want some cost savings, right? Because these are going to last, especially if you keep it for a long time. Yeah. Well, over the course of time, yes. And But, you know, there are um, faux trees that are super expensive. So, you know, True. if you don't plan to keep it for too long, then, you know, it may not be right away the, the most economic choice. But of course, yeah, if you're, you're buying a faux tree, that's, you know, maybe a couple hundred dollars. Real trees are expensive. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So this is kind of a one and done, at least for a while. Um, you know, you, there's not a lot of upgrade. It's not like an iPhone where six months later it's it's completely you know out of date. Uh, so you know, your your trees probably you probably can keep it ten years, and you, especially the really nice ones. And it's going to be nice, and and you're gonna it's going to be great and look great for a long time. And the other thing is, you're not having to go buy a new one every year. That's another nice thing about the faux trees. Yeah. I mean, it's difficult to get the real tree in the stand and you have to worry about watering it and the needle drops. So there's definitely a lot more uh, maintenance during the holiday season to a real tree. So Mm -hmm. the years that I have done a faux tree, particularly the pre-lit ones, when, you know, now you can sort of like open it like an umbrella and all of a Mm -hmm. sudden you have this giant tree and you know, that is pretty appealing. Yeah. No watering, no needles on the floor. It's, you can see why people want these. And then the pre-lit ones. Oh my goodness. And I have one. Yeah. They're three pieces. Whereas before you'd each branch, you're putting in the, you know, the base. Yeah. When I was little, I grew up with a fake tree, probably because my mother, well, you know, they, it was, I think fake trees were really coming into vogue at that time. And they probably, my mother probably did not want to be vacuuming up needles. Like she did not want that mess. But our tree, it was probably from Sears. I don't know. Each year they would, it had like the tips had a little color code on them. So my job would be come out of the box, right? Mm -hmm. And then you would I would make the piles, you know, the baby blue ones. And yes. remember the pink ones were on the top, the smaller branches and the white ones. And So you'd have all these, I'd have these colored piles. And then my dad would start putting them into the trunk, you know, that yep, was pre-drilled. Yep. Yep. And then, I mean, but still you had to put all the lights on and everything. And then my mom would do the fluffing. So she would fluff it all uh, out. But, yeah. you know, that's, you know, <laughs> so that's my, you know, suburban childhood memory where I'm sure like, you know, I'm picturing, you know, children in Maine that were going to the, <laughs> the tree farm with the rolling hills of snow and sledding up to the perfect tree and dragging it home and 
putting it up. And yeah, you know, it seems a little more romance. Well, if you've listened to any of my childhood stories, I think you can, <laughs> oh, you yeah. can guess there was no real Christmas tree. There was nothing real about Oh my gosh. Yeah. No, no, no. So it was it was definitely the faux one, probably from Sears because my dad loved Sears. So yeah, I think we definitely had that. And it really didn't look real at all. So this is and covered with the tinsel and you know, all that good stuff. But hey, you know what? I was a kid and I didn't really care. So it yeah. worked for me. So as far as having a real tree and then the environment, uh, excuse me, a faux tree and the environmental impact thereof. Well, you know, it's made of PVC with some steel, possibly some copper, you know, making all the branches, you know, stay put. And it's probably coming from China. Most of them that are on the market are made there. So, you know, that's just not a great thing to be chucking into a landfill because it's going to take a long time. It's going to stay there and not Mm -hmm. really decompose. But here's the thing. If you buy a good fake tree, you put, you, you think of it as an investment and you keep it for upwards 5, 8, 10, 15 years, you know, you, it, you're keeping it for a long time and then you don't have to throw it away. Then you donate it. I know right now, you know, if you go to a thrift store, there are they have trees there now. It's a wonderful thing for another family to be able to get at low cost. And um, even at um, my daughter's school, the music teacher's asking, does anyone have a left, you know, an extra faux tree? He wants to put one in the music room. So there's always going to be someone that you can mm-hmm. give a tree to when you're ready to maybe get a bigger one, or maybe you want to downsize and get a tabletop tree or something like that. So don't, don't throw it in the landfill. Uh, keep it for a long time if you're going to mm-hmm. go faux. Uh, you know, keep it protected. There are those tree bags you can get. Oftentimes, if you buy a really nice faux tree, it comes in its own bag. Like a balsam hill tree will come in its own zippered bag. You know, keep it covered. Don't just. <laughs> my my parents had a friend. He was a bachelor, and he in his house he literally had a tree his Christmas tree in his guest in the guest room. I guess there not weren't a lot of guests, and he would just throw a sheet over it. Oh, and then he would take the sheet off and drag it into the living room at Christmas time. So he never mm, took the decorations off either. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, are you ready to hear the bad news? Well, yeah, I guess I am. Well, I feel like we need to know this stuff, but it's kind of like with the mattresses. I found out all this stuff. I really didn't want to know about how toxic they were. And guess what? These PVC plastics that you mentioned that are in most all of these Christmas trees, they release uh, dioxins, uh, which are associated with cancer and neurological damage and so many other health issues. Uh, So there's really an issue there as far as toxicity goes. Uh, so one thing I want you to think about, if you're buying a new tree and you're wanting something that's a little less toxic than the PVCs, you would look for a PVC-free tree. And they do, they are made, I didn't, There some brands do make them, but I think they're going to be harder to find. Uh, so these typically have uh, PE, which is polyethylene, and PP, polypropylene in them. And these are plastics. They're a little bit safer. So, you know, I can't say there's a hundred percent completely toxic free faux tree, but if you're concerned about that, this is the way I would go. And then also you could check to see if there is any lead in them or flame retardants on them, because that's also 
toxic. So these are some things to keep in mind. But what I wanted to mention too, because, and I was just handling, after reading all this, then of course I was at the museum, like touching all these trees thinking, oh, you're like, great. No licking. <laughs> now I know, now I know I shouldn't be touching this and here I am touching it. So uh, one thing I would suggest, if you do have a faux tree, just to protect yourself, put on some gloves when you're assembling your tree. And you know, so even though these things are toxic, I think there are some things that you can do to reduce your risk. And one thing is to use glove when you're setting the tree out and what you're, when you're putting the ornaments on it. And then put your gloves back on when you put your tree up. And I know when I got my, um, I think it was the, my Balsam Hill tree, it actually came with gloves. I was just going to say that. Mine came with gloves too. And I think that's great. Also, you know, they're a little prickly, even though they're not real. Um, and so it's nice for your hands to have the gloves on. Yeah. And then I did want to mention 75% of households in the U.S. have a Christmas tree during the holidays. And 80% of those, uh, according to my research, are fake. I I came upon those same numbers. So the research Isn't that must be correct. I know. I would, I would have thought it would, would be much closer to maybe 60, 40, 60 faux, 40 real. But this is another thing I, I learned about. Where are the... the um, Clusters of real trees, mm-hmm. um, northeast, which kind of makes sense because that's you know. You well, I'm not through talking idyllic. about the the foe yet. Oh no, I'm not in either. But the, oh, okay. um, and then on the um, west coast, more mm-hmm. real trees. Right. So in like, the middle, mm-hmm. you're having more of your faux trees. So that may be why there's so many faux. Maybe there's a lot of the U.S. and other places where they don't really have access to some good Christmas trees. Mm-hmm. So that may be. Uh, part of it. Um, the other things I wanted to mention as far as the toxicity goes is if you can try to keep your kids away from the tree, if you have the foe from touching it and, or maybe if they're helping you with the ornaments, try to get them to wear some gloves. And if you are pregnant, uh, I would not handle the tree. Well, so you think it's that, that high, the levels are that high? Well, I don't know that they're that high, but there's just, we are exposed to just thousands of chemicals Mm -hmm. and toxins that our parents at our age, you know, 50 years ago or, or 20 years ago or a hundred years ago, whatever. It just, the number of chemicals in the environment are just, it's increasing almost exponentially Mm -hmm. all the time. So it's probably, if this is the only thing you were exposed to, it probably wouldn't be a big deal. But the problem is it's such an additive effect. So I think it's it, it's wise to, if you know you're being exposed to some toxins, to just protect yourself because they're just everywhere. Well, it's like, that's like what you said about the aluminum too. Like mm-hmm. in and of itself, it wouldn't be the worst thing if you used aluminum pan, but you know, combined with all the other bits. So, I mean, yeah, obviously up. don't go lick it. I, <laughs> you know, I mean, and if you've been handling it and then you're getting ready to go eat, you know, wash your hands. Right. You right, know, just right, common right. sense. I think it's helpful. So I'm not suggesting that you should not have one of these trees in your house. I don't know that it's that big a deal, but I would just wear gloves and wash your hands before and after, you know, or right, after cause, you. Because why not? And honestly, yeah. the gloves, I mean, I didn't really use the gloves because I was thinking of toxicity until you mm-hmm. now educated us, but, um, it felt nicer, you know, that it did sticking your hand in the branches and they're, they're, you know, you can, you don't have to have gloves that are like more like garden gloves. You can just have soft gloves and, or even little just woolly gloves are fine. Mm-hmm. Just thin mm-hmm. ones you can use. Um, the thing about these, um, faux trees is currently they're not really recyclable, uh, because of the copper, the steel and the, the plastics, 
and how it's all fused together. Each one of those items would have to be pulled apart and, you know, your local uh, trash removal or whatnot, they're not doing that. So they just can't recycle them at this juncture. Um, There's probably somebody somewhere producing a recycled tree, but I was not able to come upon one that was 100% recyclable. I I don't think yeah, I don't think you're going to find that. So this is just something to, uh, you know, keep in mind. So if you're going to buy one, I think the responsible thing to do is to just plan to keep it for, for quite a while and not just buy it for a year or two. But really, why would you go to all that effort and, and spend the money if you're just going to throw it out a year or two later? Exactly. Well, that begs the question, like, you know, think of it as, can you think of it as an investment item rather than mm-hmm. just like, oh, I'm in the CVS or here's this this tree. It kind of looks cruddy. I'm just going to have it for a year. Um, t- you know, try not to do that. I mean, certainly if you don't have the money to get a really nice faux tree, then, you know, do what you need to do to decorate your home and make your ham- family happy. But if you can say, you know, this is just, it's, it's an investment piece and I'm going to spend this much money on it and I'm going to keep it for, you know, 10 years. And uh, if I divide what I spend by 10, and it's really that not much that mm-hmm. much every year and it probably is a lot less than a real tree would cost you every year. Um the thing about the faux trees as far as their look. Um now I've had experience with a couple of different types of faux trees, certainly not all the brands, but um they are not all created equal. Um if you can see them in person, that's a really great way to go, but oftentimes you're buying it online. You know, don't just choose the cheapest one on Amazon mm-hmm. because you might not be happy. Well, they, and then mm-hmm. what are you going to do? You're stuck with it. It's it's well, massive. You can't really return it. Exactly. And, and then you're going to want to get rid of it after right. a year. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, not to say that people are trying to trick anyone, but oftentimes the faux trees that you see either in the advertisements um, or on blogs. Now the bloggers are not, you know, f- trying to trick you or anything. They just want to make their tree look more beautiful, and they probably tell you what they've decorated with. But if you're just looking quickly at the picture, oftentimes the faux trees are enhanced with additional branches. Sometimes the branches that are added are real um, to fluff it out, or they're using. Um, decorative picks, which can be a really nice way to Mm, add some volume mm -hmm. to a faux tree. These are um, decorations that are often bigger. Maybe they're comprised of a big loopy kind of bow or maybe some berries or something. Or I have some ones that are big flowers, like big amaryllis that are on these long sticks that you just poke Mm -hmm. into the tree so they don't really hang on a branch. And that's a wonderful way to fill out a faux tree because no matter how much you spend on it, no matter, you know, how it's ranked as far as, you know, if you do any sort of Google research on, you know, the best faux trees, the fact is, you know, there's just, you're going to see some holes here and there. And Mm -hmm. when you see the hole, it's not a a tree trunk. It's going to be, you know, maybe a piece of wood or something that's wrapped in green plastic or something. So you may want to fill it out. So keep that in mind. Don't you just love a great recommendation from a friend? Well, we're delighted to be recommending these companies and their wonderful products to you today. And let them know your friends at DTT sent you. Are we ready to talk about the real trees? I think we are. Okay. Oh, well, I do have two suggestions. We talked about Balsam Hill. 
mm-hmm. as a really great resource for faux trees. Um, so definitely they have a lot of variety and a lot of different price points. But if you're going to go faux, and this is what I did the first year I bought a faux tree, is I went super faux. I was like, if I'm going to get a faux tree, I'm going to go crazy faux. No one's, I'm not going to pretend I'm just trying to be a green tree. Mm-hmm. So I have a platinum colored tree that I put in my kitchen and I love that tree. It's kind of like um, the old fashioned tinsel trees, mm-hmm. uh, but it's not a Charlie Brown style. It's got a lot more branches, but it's so clearly fake. You know, it's, it's like right, you're, right. you're not trying to pretend it's a real Christmas tree. Yeah, I've got a pink tree. Love it. Right? It's really cute. Yeah. I mean, it's a little one. It's a little one, but I love getting it out for Christmas. Yeah. So it's obviously, yeah. Fake. Yeah. And mine's big. Mine's, you know, probably mm-hmm. you know, seven to eight feet tall. Oh, and wow. I got it from Treetopia and they have all kinds of colors. Oh, how fun. So I'll put the link to that in the show notes. Okay. Great. Well, so I, as for the real trees, obviously, this is the real thing. So you don't have to worry about it looking fake. It's not. It's the real thing. They smell good. They look great. Most of them do. They're recyclable. They just have that natural look because they are natural. So I, <laughs> obviously, They're not faking it. Yeah. Right. I mean, so I think there's a lot of pluses with the real tree. Yeah. And anybody who's had a real tree and, you know, they know about dragging into their house and, you know, I get carried away every time we get a real tree and I always want to get one that's bigger uh, because it looks, doesn't look so big on the tree lot. And then you try to get it home. So, you know, try to find one that you can definitely fit through your door and find one that you can fit in your stand. Um, Sometimes the trunks are really wide. So look for that. You can have them cut it off and things like that. And Mm -hmm. uh, we'll go through some of the varieties of real Christmas trees and give you some um, pointers on choosing one and some characteristics of the trees that you know, you might want to take into account when you're looking because, mm-hmm. you know, they all look really pretty on the lot and they all smell good when they're all together, but you might want a specific ty- type of tree. Um, the thing about, okay, oh, uh, people say, oh, cutting down a Christmas tree, that's so awful. Because I think in the mind's eye, you're thinking of, you know, the the, the most beautiful, majestic tree in the in the forest, and somebody just going and hacking it down and mm-hmm. dragging it to their house. Mm-hmm. It that's, sounds awful, sure. It does, but that's really not what's happening. I think very few trees are really cut down in the quote-unquote wild. Um, there are tree farms, and right. tree farms, trees are grown as a crop, just like corn mm-hmm. or anything else. So they're expected to be cut down. You, you know, you're supporting farmers, uh, of tree farmers, if you're purchasing a live Christmas tree. Uh, and normally Christmas trees are planted on sort of rolling hills where it's really hard to grow other crops anyway. So this is enabling farmers to to grow things and make a living on lands that would not otherwise be you know suitable for other kinds of crops. So um, it takes about 10 years for a tree to get to be about five to six feet tall, but you know, it's a cycle. So they're planting them. So they're growing and getting cut down. And you know, so having a real tree isn't like just cutting one down out of the forest and having a big hole in the forest. Um, you may be wondering why the the real trees seem to have gone up in price in the last couple of years. Well, it's because fewer trees were planted in 2008 during the recession. And so count 10 years mm-hmm. from then when they were mature, there were less of them, right? So around 2018, oh, okay. we started to see these higher prices. And that was also a big shift at that around that time in that Christmas uh, season where people were going faux because they were going to buy a real tree and it was like, you know, $125 or something like that. And they're like, yeah, might as well just get a faux one and have it last. 
Yeah, and if you can find, depending on where you live, this might not be possible, but obviously the greenest option, meaning the smallest carbon footprint option for a real tree is to go with a tree that's that was grown locally, that was that was cut down, you know, close to where you live, because then it doesn't have to be shipped in. Right. And and I found probably the same thing you did is that the biggest tree farm, there's a, the, the states where they're, they grow the most, it's North Carolina and Oregon, probably right. California, but I don't think I saw that. No, not California. It doesn't really get cold here for long enough for, I think, to okay. support the, the trees. So yeah, Norma, we get our trees, the ones that come to my daughter's school. They have a big tree sale uh, to support the school. They all come from Oregon. I know the ones at our YMCA where they sell them. They also come from Oregon. So if you live on the East Coast, you know, then you don't get a tree from Oregon, get a tree from North Carolina. All right. Right, right, If you can, something that's closer to you. Um, I I did see something and I, I, there wasn't a lot of information on it. And I, I never heard of this, but to rent a real Christmas tree. Well, I was going to get to that. That's the third option. Okay. Yeah. So I, apparently they bring you the live tree and it's not cut down. You rent it and then it goes back. Yes. Now you would definitely want a service for that because one year I decided that we were going to have a bald Christmas tree. That Not, not in bald like it doesn't have any hair. Bald in that it, it comes with the dirt in burlap and then you can plant it. Okay. This- <laughs> I can't believe that I'm still married after that because and or that my dad speaks to me because Peter and my father we also had steps to this particular house carried this tree <laughs> I mean the the bowl must have weighed like 200 pounds it's packed dirt and then the tree on top of it which was not a small tree and my dad I will never forget my dad he was like oh no it's fine Kelly he's bringing it up the steps and like one step at a time and then he stood up his face he was bleeding because the needles were sticking in his face it was awful (laughs) sounds like it was funny it was it was was funny afterwards uh but anyway that tree did go on to live in my yard there from before until we sold that house and it was very beautiful and, and I, I really appreciated their efforts, but I would never do that to anyone that I liked. Uh, <laughs> and I certainly couldn't carry it myself. Yeah, I don't know. I This does not really, I don't know. It doesn't really sound like the best option, this uh, live Christmas tree. It looks like the prices start around 150 There's two services, livingchristmas.com and rentxmastree.com were two that I found, but I've heard uh, in reading some online reviews, it seemed like some people liked it, some people didn't like it. So I would check into that. And I don't know, that just seems like a hassle. Then you've got to have them come pick it up. And mm, I don't know, that doesn't yeah. really sound like the an yeah. ideal situation. If you're going to do either. a very small tree, then you could get a little live tree and just do a tabletop tree and then you can plant it in your garden. I think the other thing, and having a big giant ball of dirt in your living room at Christmas time, <laughs> I, having lived through it is not a great idea. <laughs> no a giant how- ball of dirt in your living room. No matter how, how could that big- go? How could that go wrong? Exactly. And then you have to keep watering the dirt and the tree. And so no matter how big your tree skirt is, that is just not something that's going to work for you. Um, but one thing you can do if you have a real tree, 
without, you know, without all the dirt and you want to uh, then recycle it yourself. I mean, a lot of services come and they take it away. Your, your, your regular trash service will have a day for that. But I, every year I cut up the tree normally because I can't get it out of the house because now it's really stiff and, and you know, crunchy. Uh, I cut off all the branches, at least the big bottom ones, and I lay them in my garden. It is fantastic mulch. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, and then well, in the and, spring, I pick them up. And again, I hate to be the bearer of bad news yet again. Oh, my gosh. Wow. I know. <laughs> but some of these Christmas trees have herbicides and pesticides on them. So, again, be careful because you're again, touching the tree. Don't lick it. Don't. Don't lick it. You might, and thing is you might want to use gloves when you're when you're manhandling it not because there's anything toxic about the tree but because of the stuff that man puts on it or you know people that are taking care of the trees Mm -hmm. Uh, now so if you want an organically grown tree uh, there is a place you can go to look to see if you can find some locally grown ones or or just some that you could have sent to you greenpromise.com they have a website and we'll include the link, but they will, they have a list of resources where you can get an organic Christmas tree if that's what you want. That's really good. That's good to know. You know, I mean, I don't know. It's how, information. Yeah. And, you know, and it might be the way that, you know, other tree lots are moving. You know, once people realize, you know, once, like we've said before, if we, we kind of vote in a sense with our dollars and everybody mm-hmm. starts to want to have an organic Christmas tree and not anything sprayed. Well, then more organic Christmas tree farms will spring up and do well. How about re- uh, real trees? Let's just talk about a couple of types of real trees that you're likely to encounter at your local tree lot. The mm-hmm. balsam fir, very fragrant. In fact, it is uh, deemed to be the most fragrant tree. Mm. It does require a lot of water. So, uh, you know, if you're going to be out of town over the holidays, maybe not a balsam fir. A Douglas fir, usually the perfect pyramid and nice and full. Fraser fir, very stiff branches, so great if you have a lot of heavy ornaments, and, and just also has a nice scent. Now, Nordman, this was a new one to me last year, and again, it is the type of tree I ordered from my daughter's school this year. It is a very nice symmetrical shape. A very wide base, and I can attest to that. Your your trunk is going to be very wide, so you need a big stand for that. And it really does retain the needles. I think it was one of the most beautiful trees we've ever had. We always had noble firs, uh, mm-hmm. but uh, the Nordman is now my go-to. Mm, nice. Nice. Well, and when you're picking them out, you know, you're going to look for, look for the overall shape of the tree because they're not always symmetrical. Uh, some are going to look better than others. You're going to look for broken branches. Uh, look for insects because you sure as heck don't want to <gasps> be bringing a bunch oh of insects gosh. into your house. Yeah. So just check them over. And of course, you know, cut off the tip of the end of that trunk before you bring it in so that it can really absorb the water well. Yeah. A fresh cut is so important. Make sure mm-hmm. that they, they do that for you. I'm excited. I, you know, I, Laura and I were talking about putting the Christmas tree up a little bit earlier this year. Um, we are going to put up the um, silver platinum tree that I told you about. And so I, she's going to have her friends over for uh, a Friendsgiving dinner. Oh, yeah. Yes. So we're going to try to get that up before then because the real tree, you know, you don't want to get it too early because no. then it really does dry out. So. 
But I think they're cut. At, I don't, it seems like they're cut and then they're delivered. So if you wait closer, they're just, the tree's already older. It's That's aged. probably true. It's not like they're getting new trees there. Yeah. So they it's just been sitting on the lot longer. That's it probably seems like. true. Anyway. Well, we order them from school. So they only, they come on December 7th. That's when it will come. Well, that's, that is what it is. Then. That there is what go. it is. Uh, so do you have a crush for us today? Well, I do. So I just came back from London and uh, I had so much fun. It was my first time to London and uh, we've talked about this because I thought I was going to get to go when you were in London, Kelly, but I just now got to go. Okay, wait a second. I honestly did not know it was your first time. This was my first. Well, I've been to the UK before, but Scotland. Okay, right. Not, Not London. Right. No, I, so, you know, and it was interesting. I, I loved it. And it was, it was just very much what I expected it to be. And I had so much fun exploring the city. And part of the time I was on my own, which was just a total blast because I just kind of got to go and linger. And I kind of called it my tea tour of London <laughs> because I went and had tea everywhere I could. I bought tea everywhere I could, you know, Harrods, Fortnum and Mason, and you know, just all these fabulous places. So I, it was just a delight. Um, Anyway, so when I was there, I was looking for something fun to bring Evie back as kind of a, a souvenir. And I found this brand that you, you're familiar with called Kath Kitson, mm-hmm. which is available here in the U.S. And I just found the, some of her things quite charming. And she had some stuff. I guess that's what drew my eye because I was looking for something that, you know, had kind of a London feel for Evie. And she has a whole, I think it's called London View, a whole, that's just one of her collections. They're not all like this, but this particular collection has, um, well, she sells clothes and raincoats and umbrellas and, and little, you know, purses and I, things for your home. But this particular pattern, um, it kind of reminds me of the drawings from Madeline. Only they're, mm-hmm. they're famous things in London, scenes in London, they're hand colored. And so these are all over the, the umbrellas and things. But so that's kind of what drew me in. But it's, it's definitely not just that pattern. And there's children's things and, and women's things. And uh, it was just really fun. I, I enjoyed shopping in that store. Yeah, it's very, her things are very, a little whimsical, very cheery. Mm-hmm. I, it's really darling. I, I like very happy. Things. Yes, very happy. Um, uh, my crush today is I'm sharing a American pianist who I have enjoyed for many years. And I just started listening to him again. Sometimes just uh, some, you know, I'll think of a song or a, a, a musician that I like. And I just love when you say, Alexa, and she finds it and plays it for you. So I have been enjoying George Winston again, and I hadn't listened to him in many, many years. I first discovered him in college, and he is an American pianist, as I said. And um, I think you all really enjoy his uh, work. He has some of his earlier things, autumn, winter to spring, December, summer. So these are the names of some of his album. So you can get a real sense of what it's going to sound like. And honestly, you know, December just sounds like you're watching the snow coming down. And it's very, it's very beautiful. I mean, I, I don't want to call it background music because that kind of underplays how beautiful mm. his sound is. Mm-hmm. I think you'll really enjoy it. And he has something that came out 
fairly recently. And I think he's doing um, his renditions on the piano of uh, some real classic songs, like even from the doors to um, uh, some, you know, uh, musicians from the 30s. It really runs the gamut. So you might want to check out George Winston. He has his own site. And then you could always, of course, just, you know, shout out to Alexa to play it and get a little snippet. Nice. I'll have to check him out. Yeah, yeah. I think you'd like it. So our question today is from Alicia. Alicia is has found us recently loving the podcast. She heard me talking about those Pier One matte black dishes that mm-hmm. I was going to incorporate with some of my vintage dishes. And she loves vintage dishes as well. Oh, me too. But she was concerned about things she's been reading about the lead. Now... <laughs> We can always rely on Anita for bringing us all down a little bit. And again, you know, I mean, the other things you normally wouldn't lick, but I mean, I guess people have been known to lick their plates. So we're clearly not going to do that to these either. But Anita is going to um, answer your question, Alicia, and probably give everybody a lot of information about what to do with these vintage dishes. Are they safe? How can you use them? What you should be aware of all of this. Well, Alicia, I, I I had don't be I sad, Alicia. <laughs> Stick with me. Well, this is another one of these things. <laughs> I really am very sorry. I now know the stuff that I know. Just basically, I didn't I, know ignorance is you. bliss. But then you could get lead poisoning. <sighs> it's awful because I love vintage dishes too. So years ago, I'd heard get a lead test kit, and there's these uh, swab test kits that you can get on Amazon and at Home Depot and other places. And it turns a particular color. You kind of uh, initiate it with uh, white vinegar and then you just kind of put it on, you know, uh, your dishes and it'll, it'll turn a darker color if it, if there's lead in the dishes. And I had done this years ago. And what I had heard was really, unless it's hand painted, it's probably okay. That's what I had heard when I tested my plates. Sure enough, all my plates tested negatively with this kit, except for one set of dishes that was uh, English 1920s hand painted. And so, you know, they was hand painted. So I wasn't surprised when it came up positive for lead. Well, this is what I've thought for years, but then I've been getting a lot of questions lately about the lead. So I decided to do some more research. And what I found was these swap kits. Some people said, Really, they're just good for testing paint. And other people said, yeah, you can use them on dishes. So I, there seems to be not a good a consensus on whether or not they're effective for testing plates. I think from what I've read, the problem is that you can get a false negative with these. So the, there's another type of testing for lead on plates, and it's called an XRF instrument, which apparently stands for X-ray fluorescent analyzer. Whoa, and this, that's like a gamma ray gun or something. I know, isn't that what it sounds like? Yeah. Now, this is the problem with this testing. Uh, it's destructive testing, which means the only way you can test your plate with this particular analyzer is to uh, crush it up and then you... Oh, stop it! So it's so. what's the point? Oh, this this plate was fine. <laughs> and now Darn. it's a, oh, it's, it's a pile of together. Yeah. rubble on my on my countertop. So that's the problem with this uh, testing. And I've done so much research, and it just like some plates. They said, "Oh, the Franciscan dishes made in England are fine," and then another white 
website said the Franciscan dishes made in England are not fine. Uh, so it seems like there's a big gray area and I don't know what the truth is here. So, so I think the reality is if you really want to be safe, don't use your vintage dishes to eat on is the bottom line, unless they're white because the white dishes apparently from, again, from what I've read, uh, tends not to have lead in it, but I have a large collection of vintage dishes, but I've kind of gotten to where I've gotten kind of shy about the, the lead issue. So, uh, I just knew I wasn't sure. So I just tend not to use them for food and I tend to just use them for, um, display. And then I use my newer dishes to, to eat off of. And if they're newer dishes in the last 10, 20 years, again, it's my understanding they're supposed to be lead free. Um, you know, but uh, there may be some exceptions to that. So it's really not a straightforward, I, I didn't get the straightforward answer I was hoping for when yeah. I was researching yes, this. That's, I mean, it is a tough one. I mean, it's, you know, some of these plates aren't even marked. You might not even know where mm-hmm. they're from. It's really difficult. So, um, but let me add a few uh, just thoughts about sure. this. If you're, if you're eating something acidic, you really don't want that on the lead because it will leach the lead out. So if something acidic is going to be a real problem on a lead plate. So if you're like, well, I want to use them. Don't use them for, you know, soups. Don't use them for wet foods. I, if you really want to use them and you're not worried about the lead or you, you've decided to use them anyway, I would use them more for dry things like a cake maybe or some biscuits or something. And those are much less likely to absorb anything from the plate. Or, or, or use like a clear glass plate liner, uh, under, between your food and, and that pretty plate, or just use it for display. That, the plate liner is an interesting idea. Just a mm-hmm. clear glass plate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause, cause Alicia and anybody else who wants to use their dishes, I mean, you can set the table. I mean, off, oftentimes you're going to be doing this when it's a special dinner, right? Where you're going right. to have the table. It's going to be set and, and part of it's going to be where the people that you're inviting are going to see the table before the meal actually starts. It can be a situation. I mean, sometimes that happens at very fancy restaurants. You know, the plate is there, but then they take that plate away. Oh, there you and go. And they bring you another mm-hmm. plate. So mm-hmm. you could set it all and maybe you do a plain white large size maybe buffet plate on the bottom Mm -hmm. and then just take off your vintage plates and then that you know then the 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 white plate is what the food is served on Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um or as anita's saying like rifting off that with the idea of the clear glass plate well maybe then there's a smaller bowl or something on top where if you were serving soup or you wanted to Mm -hmm. do some sort of dessert in a, in a, um, a little parfait glass or something like that, then you just put it on top. So the, it's really the, the vintage plates and dishes are really just decorative. Yeah. And I think there's, they're so beautiful. I, I just would not, if you love vintage dishes, go get them, but you know, maybe use them mostly for display. Put them on the wall. I know. So, Alicia, I hope that was the answer you were looking for. Probably not. (laughs) I know. And it's not that I enjoy finding out this information, (laughs) but I feel like, (laughs) you know. It's a burden to know all of this. Well, it kind of Uh, is. I feel like I've got to share it, but it's not really what I want to hear either. Danger, danger. (laughs) Oh, goodness. What can you do? It's just better to know, isn't it? 
right? You don't want to yeah. have, you don't want to be doing all these things and everything all adds up. And, and it's some of it. A problem. It's like you said, it's sometimes some people say, you know what? I'm just going to risk it. Whatever. Live dangerously. Whatever. Yeah, exactly. If you're smoking two packs of Marlboro a day, then eat off your vintage dishes because I don't <laughs> no, think that's going to make a difference. All right. You know, you got to decide what's right for you, but it's good to have all the information. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so we be hope, careful. Yeah. Be I safe hope, out there. Be safe out there. I'm sh- we provided you with a lot of information about Christmas trees today. I hope it was new information to you and useful information to you. Exactly. And as always, remember, we're here to inspire you to create a beautiful home. Until next time. to remind you that we are available for design consults. We take on your design dilemmas, questions, renovations, any project you want to talk about, any room, any space. We are here for you. And we really do enjoy doing these. And I think we've helped people a lot. So if you want to sign up for a consult, head to the link in the show notes. It's decoratingtipsandtricks.com slash consult. We hope to talk to you soon.